Hello, everyone, and welcome to One Control Report Podcast, episode 76. My name is Benjamin Yoder, and I I am back from Portland Retro Game Expo, and then also Utah. I went up to Utah for a little bit for some family time. Uh, it was all right. Uh, uh, two weekends in the row, not being at the house on the weekend has uh, <laughs> has drained me. I'm ready for the next weekend to come already, but... <laughs> But we'll see. I am uh, I am very tired, <laughs> but but I will do my best to 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 continue to be alive. <laughs> um, so yeah, uh, yeah. So I went up to Portland and went to the retro game convention. Uh, when I was going up to Portland, I did play a bit of Kid Icarus on the plane. Uh, a friend of mine was like, "Oh yeah, it's not that that long of a game." I was like, "Yeah, I feel like I was kind of at the end." And then I uh, got on the plane and it was like, "Oh, go." go defeat medusa which was presented as the final boss i was like oh maybe i'm maybe i'm like right at the end of this game because then i could just finish it up and and be be a day no that's like the like the first arc of the game and i checked my hour count and like at that point it was like three to four hours (laughs) it was like ah i know this is a 12 hour game um so so i played that on the flight to and from um to and from portland and uh and still enjoying that game it's just uh i think gameplay wise i'm not super into it but the dialogue is still super silly and fun um and then also the uh the um the on the the flying stuff i think feels pretty good too uh the the on-ground stuff works (laughs) Works as about as well as it's going to, considering the control scheme. They basically did the Metroid Prime Hunters thing of, like, use the L trigger and your thumb to, like, hold the system and then constantly be using the touchscreen to move around to, like, aim. And I don't know what it is about that control scheme, like, gripping that, that, that trigger and then also using the, the, the circle pad. But, like, that grip is just not particularly comfortable. I mean, they package that little stand with the system for you to play it when you're not, you know, traveling because, <laughs> because they knew it was an issue. Um, um, I've only used that stand for, um, what's it called? Uh, style savvy trendsetters. I used it when I was playing that cause I just kind of had it sitting beside me while I was doing other stuff on a, a PC. And that was a, that was a nice way to play that game. It wasn't, it wasn't terribly bad, pretty, pretty, pretty relaxing. Just having it like, you know, props up on screen. Uh, it wasn't bad. Um, but yeah, I went to Portland Retro Game Expo, um, and I, I missed the big Intellivision thing, and I still haven't really had a chance to read up on exactly what it was. Um, I heard about, talked about it on a couple other podcasts, but I, I really didn't look into it very much. They did have a booth there, and I kind of skimmed it when I walked by, but I was just like, ah, I don't see anything on here that looks like anything, but apparently they're, they announced like a console, they're doing that's going to be more like a family friendly console and uh you know uh, we'll see how it goes there's been a lot of return consoles from the dead lately from like uh you know Coleco and and uh Atari and stuff like that and then at least as far as I know none of them have really surfaced with anything but from what I hear it sounds like this thing has more games announced for it and like a release window and all that stuff and hopefully not kickstarted or well i guess maybe not hopefully but it sounds like it might like actually be funded uh ahead of time so rather than having to rely on the on people backing it via kickstarter or something like that 
Um, panel-wise, I thought this year was a little light. Uh, uh, I went to the Retronauts FMV panel, and that was fine. I mean, it, it's basically just a Retronauts podcast, but since it's FMV, it actually works very well. Since you know you're able to sit there and watch the videos they put, uh, they have Time Gal in there, which I was very excited. I I would love to play Time Gal someday. <laughs> I'm not sure if there's any English versions of that game outside of the Mega CD version. I think there must be. I'm not sure, but um. But yeah, I would love to play Time Gal someday. Um, and then there's the uh, Chris Pragner panel where he basically talked about localization, which it was basically, you know, the thing that all localizers end up saying where it's like, oh, localization isn't translation. It's, it's you know, like cr- a, a changing it to a different culture to make it understandable and stuff like that. Um, it wasn't anything particularly new. I think he had a couple of interesting stories, but I can't remember what they were. <laughs> um, um, but it was it was pretty, pretty straightforward. And then uh, the Retro Game Roadshow, which is actually the original reason I start reason I started going to Portland Retro Game Expo. Um, big fan of of Chris Kohler's work on Retro Game Roadshow, and you know, nice seeing Steve Lynn there as well, and Frank Cifaldi. Uh, that's kind of where I knew about Chris Kohler before the Retro Game Roadshow. I kind of fed into Retro Game Roadshow because of Chris, but I don't think I knew about Frank Cifaldi and Steve Lynn until after Retro Game Roadshow was introduced. Um, uh, basically, if you don't know what that is, it's basically they bring people bring up like rare video game related items and then try to appraise the value. Although they pointed out this year, and I probably agree that it's more of a a story show now. It's like less about how much is worth and more just like having a conversation about the item and like talking about you know its history and you know where they got it from and also just like some practical collecting tips and like and like some information regarding like oh you know if the game is sealed you know how can you tell things like that and like oh does the autograph really increase the value of something it depends stuff like that so yeah but there was basically just like a few a handful of times like someone brought up a game and watch which was fine uh someone brought up a a cool admittedly pretty cool like jean jacket with like sonic like i don't know what it is like burned into the back of it or something it probably wasn't burned but basically the design was like imprinted in the actual jean jacket and not just like you know a uh, uh, plasticky or like you know inky insert into the the, the jacket itself it is like actually part of the <laughs> jean jacket and it looks pretty neat then someone brought up a computer which was interesting but there wasn't really anything said about it at the time it was i forget which computer it was but there was a it was more of a conversation about like oh old computers are really neat and it's like yep yes they are <laughs> um and I can't remember the last item, but yeah, it was pretty, it was pretty, uh, pretty, uh, st- pretty, pretty straightforward, uh, show and panel. Um, the NES museum was pretty all right too. Um, although like I, I probably don't get like a ton of interest out of those like kind of big showcase, uh, museum kind of things. It was interesting to look through and, and they mentioned that like, Hey, it's probably the most complete NES museum you'll ever see of like different promotional products and stuff that the NES had. And so, yeah, it was interesting to see that and people record it. If you go look online, you can find entire pans across the display. I think the thing I was most interested in is that they actually had the, um, for the, the Game Boy Advance had those, those NES classics, basically. I forget what they're called, like Famicom classics essentially in japan um and i think if you registered all those games to club nintendo if you bought all of them registered all to club nintendo nintendo would actually send you like a fold-out kit where you could like put all of them in this this big box essentially and like place these games within the box it was like a big display case um which re- looked really nice and they had one of those there completely filled up filled out as far as i could tell um i really would like to get one of those uh i like <sighs> 
I really like Mysterious Castle Murasame, um, and I would like to get a more modern way to play that other than the 3DS, uh, a way to capture it or even do like some coverage of it or do like a quick play stream of it. Um, and that, that Game Boy Advance version definitely seems like the easiest way. Cause I think it's a Famicom disc system game and I haven't even, I barely even touched the NES library, let alone the Famicom library. And you know, it's, when we start getting into disc system games, you know, like I, I don't know. Yeah. Like, I don't know how hard it is to get those these days. I'm sure I could get one if I wanted to, and then, like, hooking that thing up to a capture card and stuff. It wouldn't be hard, but it's just not. Game Boy Dance is something I can easily capture, uh, even if the resolution of the game itself doesn't exactly appear right. I don't know. We'll see. I've, I've thought about getting a copy of Castle of Mur- or Mysterious Castle of Murasame for a long, long time, and uh, still haven't. So that's definitely <laughs> definitely on the list. I like that game a lot, though. If you haven't played it, uh, the 3DS has a version on there. It's pretty great. It's, like, a very arcade style Zelda game I'd probably put it as best way like type top-down isometric Zelda game is an NES or Famicom disk system game is an NES game um but probably the the thing <laughs> the thing I enjoyed most at uh at the retro game uh or at the uh Portland Retro Game Expo was uh I went into the so the first day I went to the NES museum and I ended up not ended up not looking at it at all <laughs> Um, because as soon as I walked into the left there's this dude with a CRT and a Casio Loopy and I was like, all right, this is going to be good. <laughs> and so, so I stood with this guy and, and these two guys. Um, I forget their names. One was named Colin. I think the other one may have been Andrew or something like that. Um, and Andrew, assuming that's his name, uh, actually spoke a little Japanese or at least could read a little Japanese. And so he's able to kind of figure out what we were doing in all those games and stuff. And if you don't know, Casio Loopy is like the system that was made for like kids, um, specifically girls, where... Um, Basically, you uh, you uh, had like a printer built into the system, and you could print out stickers, and then like cut the stickers and go put them on things. Um, and so I think there, I think he said there's only ten games, and they had about seven there. And uh, there, a lot of them are like dress up games and stuff like that. There's one that's like a, a bedroom simulator kind of thing, where you like you basically can earn money to to fancy up your bedroom. I think it's like I want a room in Loopy Town is what the name translates to, or something like that. And then. Um, and then there's also, uh, we played a uh, little romance. It was like a visual novel, but it was interesting because the visual novel, like every t- set of dialogue had a unique panel of art to it. And, uh, so imagine it's not a very long game. I think I saw a complete playthrough online. That was six minutes <laughs> in length. I didn't watch the whole thing, but there were like different, different character paths you can pursue and stuff. So, you know, it probably wasn't a very long game, but it was pretty brutal. Like if you got one selection wrong, it basically kicked you back to the beginning. And that's probably how they artificially created length there. But yeah, you could just like, and during the visual novel, you could just basically print out any screen that was on there, and uh, and it would do its little thing. It's a little thermal print on thermal thermal printer inside. It's actually a color thermal printer, and print out these little stickers. And um, I'm, I'll I'll link my my pictures that of like stuff I bought um, in in the description. Um, uh, but uh, one of those pictures has a. Um, 
as the picture of the, the, the sticker I got. I actually got another sticker, but I gave it to some friends um, because it wasn't as good. It was just like a guy standing there awkwardly with these like 90s pants and like this jacket. And I kind of printed it on accident almost. It wasn't really an accident. Long story. We won't worry about it. Anyways, so like <laughs> it was funny because like the, the, I'd say people probably stopped by the loopy station, <laughs> if you want to call it that, this table with a CRT and a loopy on it. Um, stop by for like five to ten minutes each time. They'd get like a sticker and they'd leave. I was there for like two hours and it was great. And I was probably the best thing I did there. Um, you know, it, it different him being able to like navigate the menus and like translate the story of, of those games was definitely one of those situations where I was like, man, if only I knew more Japanese, like I could get so much more out of, out of all these dumb games I'm importing all the time. Um, but at the same time, I kind of like being able to not understand them mainly because, um, it makes it easier for me to like kind of communicate to people what's interesting about them. Like I, I can, I can look at Aconcagua or, or team innocent or something like that and say, you know, if you don't know Japanese, there's still some cool stuff in here. And I feel like if I were to know Japanese, I might lose some of that, but at the same time, I'd probably gain the ability to have a lot more insight into these games rather than like buying a bunch of random games and be like, I don't know if this is going to work out. This might have a way too much Japanese text for me to ever, ever decipher. <laughs> um, go watch my import stream uh, that I did uh, a while ago. <laughs> and uh, there's a lot of that in there. It's just like, I don't know what this game is. I don't know what I'm doing trying to make a music video but i don't know how this works i don't know what any of these buttons do <laughs> so so yeah it was a good time i i had a uh a good time there so so yeah and then i just spent some time with some friends we um we played some uh some uh tales of fan fan tales of the tales of fandom um volume one there's like a puzzle game in there we played a bit of that so i get to play that multiplayer which i was also in the import stream that i played a little bit of that yeah but it, it's pretty interesting because that uh Basically, it's like um, each character in that game has like elemental abilities and things like that. And depending on the color blocks that come down, that like charges up those elemental abilities. And then there's also like shapes. So you have to like fit like diamond shapes into blocks that are missing diamond holes. And then the same thing with like circles. You have to fit the spheres into the, 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 the square boxes that don't have, uh, you have a big circle in the middle or it's empty. It's basically socket stuff in. Um, and it was interesting. Yeah. Uh, and basically each character had like a series of spells and abilities that they would cast on each other as you cleared these boards. And then uh, if you, you know, chained, then it basically every time that spell filled up over and over and over again within that chain, it would multiply its effect. So I think there's some, sometimes we're getting like eight times things. I'm terrible at puzzle games. Uh, I won only because probably I, well, A, I forgot to tell my friend how to play. And we were just playing for a little bit. And they're like, oh, that's how you play. And I'm like, oh, I should explain it to you because I'm a dumbass. Um, but then also, uh, uh, it was just like both of us were new to it. And I think, you know, whenever someone who's good at puzzle games starts like trying to set up chains and the other person's just like being a dummy over there, just like, I'm going to fill out everything I can as soon as possible. It probably just makes it more difficult than it needs to be. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was a pretty fun little puzzle game. I had a good time with it. Um, and then we also played some Castlevania, uh, 64 specifically. Um, and then, uh, Pokemon Puzzle League, which they destroyed me at. I have no idea how to play Pokemon Puzzle League, uh, or uh, Panel Day Pawn or, or Tetris Attack. What do you want to call it? Um, so yeah, we played, played a handful of things. I did not plan my nights super well. 
or my nights there super well. I, I kind of had to shove in what little time I had with with some friends and then did not have much more time than that um i was i was taken to an anime night and <laughs> i thought it was funny because i was like sitting there like okay and then the the person beside me was like so are you caught up on your jojo and i'm like oh <laughs> i've never watched an episode of jojo in my life <laughs> So, I don't know about that. So, I watched it. Some dude, like, trying to keep a lighter lit or something. I don't know. He can, like, twist his ear. It was it was silly. Um, I don't think I'll ever watch JoJo. It's just... I've, I've, I've accepted when it comes to anime, I'll never... <laughs> I'll never uh, fully... Um, fully be able to watch so the series that are so long like that. Oh, I, I can't even imagine. Um... And then also, um, what's it called? Um, uh, Golden Kamui? Golden Kamui? We watched an episode of that. Also was like, are you caught up in your Golden Kamui? I'm like, never seen this in my life. Outside of, I have seen the, some of the manga panels on Twitter, and it looks very appealing. I actually think I would like the series a lot. Um, but uh, I, have not, I have not embarked on a journey to read or watch it yet. Um, but uh, yeah, we watched that, and that was, that was pretty entertaining. Um so I like that show quite a bit. It was a good time. Uh, but I say I say Portland Retro Games Expo as a whole. Um, it was probably a little underwhelming for me. Um, I think I don't know. I don't know. I felt like the panels were just a little weak this year. I'm not sure what it was. Um, you know, the Retronaut one was fine. Uh, last year they had someone who's like working at Konami, so I think it was more interesting that time because like you could actually hear you know tales of being within you know working on Metal Gear Solid at Konami. I think that was interesting. Um, Retro Game Rocho was just kind of weak this year. It wasn't super super interesting items, and uh, I think I just looked at a lot of the panels and I was just like, I don't know, I don't know how much I care about watching all these. <laughs> I mean, it probably would have been fine, but uh, I I I spent a lot of time kind of wandering about, um, you know uh chatting with some people hanging out with some friends that are up there um but yeah i'd say the show is a little light this year i'm I'm curious if next year it won't it'll feel you know as interesting oh i got bullied into playing the uh <laughs> into playing the the uh nintendo playstation thing uh if you if you went to portland retro game expo last year they had this thing like a glass case with some of the lighting on it and everything and it was it was crazy and people were like lining up to see it and everyone was like oh my gosh and like there's girl this girl there that was like ah and we're all just like ah okay <laughs> um it was okay it was fine um but uh but yeah, this time it was just like it was just like a dude <laughs> at a at a fold out table with a Nintendo PlayStation just sitting there, and I he had a bunch of Super Nintendo cartridges laid out on his table, so I thought he was selling Super Nintendo games, and I I'm not super interested in buying Super Nintendo games at this point, so I just kind of glo- glossed over it, and as I was glossing over it, he was like, "Want to play it?" And I was like, "What? What are you talking about?" And then I realized he had the Nintendo PlayStation, and I'm like, "Oh, uh, I'm fine." <laughs> And then he was like, no, 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 you got to play. It's like the only chance you're going to get. And I'm like, all right, I guess. <laughs> so I played Mortal Kombat for about uh, two minutes. And while that was happening, 
he was like trying to pass the table on to someone else, but was like very, very concerned about anyone touching the system, which I would understand. Also, probably shouldn't just be sitting on a table like it is. And then he was just like, I'm going to go for like an hour and then come right back because this is my baby, basically. And I'm like, all right. <laughs> like, and so, so he, was, he was he was telling the guy who was switching, it, switching the table with it. I'm just like, this is a weird thing. So while they're having their conversation, I just put the controller down and walked away because I was like, I didn't really want to play Mortal Kombat on that thing anyways. It's a super fascinating piece of hardware, but like, I don't feel like I get a lot of value out of seeing it in person, I guess. And like, I think, you know, like, I'm going to... I don't know if it really should be sitting on a table like that, <laughs> just out in the open. But hey, man, you know, it's his his console. He does what he wants. It. Get, get it, donate it. If he hasn't donated already, you should donate it. I bought some video games too. Um, I bought Call of Duty Black Ops for the Wii for some reason. It was like five dollars. I've always wanted to play Call of Duty on the Wii. I'm a big fan of first person shooters on on the system. Um, so I guess I'm playing Black Ops on the Wii. I think I have it on 360 as well, but uh. Eh, eh, too late. I'd rather. I think I'd rather play with pointer controls. See what that's all about. I don't really care about the graphics so much. Um, Metal Gear Acid. I picked up on PSP. Never played that, and that was a good. I think that was like five or ten dollars as well. Just in good condition. I was like, okay. Um, I picked up Imagine Figure Skating and Imagine Makeup Artists on Nintendo DS. Which if you don't know, those are basically um, Japanese uh, like. Uh, uh, I think Imagine Figure Skating is like a, a rhythm style game with like some dating sim elements in, in the in the re- way of like oh i think you like build stats and stuff to help you skate better i could be wrong about that um i do have imagine ice champion but i have not played that still so i guess i might just be getting a collection of japanese developed imagine games <laughs> i don't know <laughs> i don't know what's going on with that <laughs> um and makeup artist is one of those as well although i think makeup artist they actually did some visual changes to it in the in the u.s but i was looking at the back of the box and i think it still looks pretty good there's some stuff like i think princess on ice on ds where they just like horrifically mangled it when they brought it over here i think this looks fine i think it's called like cosmetic paradise in japan but uh i think they made it less anime and more doll looking but i think it still has a nice presentation even if they did change it uh i picked 101 10101 will the starship i thought it was gonna be like a survival horror kind of thing and i was interested because there are 2d character sprites with you know pre-rendered backgrounds and i was like oh this looks kind of like team innocent but then i looked at it uh in the manual after i bought it and realized that it looks like probably a spaceship rpg simulator thing and i'm like oh great i uh will probably definitely never be able to play this (laughs) but uh but yeah, we'll see. Um, and then I also picked up uh, Rimo Kokoron. Rimo Kokoron. Uh, I don't know what this game is. It basically looks like something where you help like like town citizens walk around. The art style is super cute. It's a PlayStation 2 import. I don't have a way to play PlayStation 2 Japanese games right now, but I'm, I'm looking into doing something soon, either modifying my PlayStation 2 or, or getting a Japanese PlayStation 2. Um, but it has a really cute art style, and I'm gonna guess that I'm not gonna be able to figure out how to play it, but who knows? A lot of these Japanese games, I buy them with the understanding that I probably won't figure out how to play it, but it'll be interesting to look at. Um, and then I bought another game, and I didn't know what it was, but apparently it's called, in America, Magic Pengle Quest for Color. But I bought the Japanese version called... Galactica Misaku Gekikojo Nakugaki Okoku. So, anyways, I didn't know this game was localized. Apparently, it was. So, uh, 
I'm probably I just dropped through that through that game down on my desk. It's probably I probably I don't know. I might just buy the <laughs> buy the American version and then just shelve this thing and then never look at it again. Uh, it looks it has an interesting art style. It's pretty cute. It was sealed. I just smacked my mic, so sorry about that. It was sealed. Um, and the guy was pretty upset that I was going to open it, but I was like, well, how much are you going to charge me for it? And he was like, uh, I guess $20. I'm like, I don't, I don't feel about opening this up. It's $20. So if I knew it was localized, I probably wouldn't have opened it, but, uh, too late. I, I don't know. It's got a new, like a really nice look to it. It, it reminds me a lot of like Mega Man Legends and how it looks. Speaking of which, I got to play through Mega Man Legends too someday. Oh, I got so many videos right there. And then I just bought a bunch because that's uh, very, very important and good that I did that. Um, I'm going to pull this up real quick just to make sure I didn't miss anything. Um, I did also get my Umihara Kwase charm for uh, Blades Changers. I swapped with my friend. Uh, we did a little trade. Just gave him the Solange. Uh, my friend also gave me a Super Mario Maker book. Um, I think it's from like the, the limited edition release of Super Mario Maker. Uh, but it was $1, so he gave it to me. It also says $0 on the, uh, the price tag, so who knows what that... Mega Man, I forgot, I guess this isn't on my list, I need to make sure I add this. Uh, I also got Mega Man Network Transmission for GameCube. Um, increasing the, the multiple Mega Man games I keep buying but not playing. <laughs> um, I picked that up because it was like $10, and I was like, yeah, yeah, that's something I need, and the case was in pretty decent condition. I always get scared, though, because there is a booth at Port Larcher Game Expo that sells, uh, reprinted GameCube packaging, and I don't believe this is it. I think this is from a different booth. It looks fine. You can tell the reprinted one because the colors are all messed up on the packaging. Um... My friend gave me a Castlevania <laughs> 64 strategy guide with the free giant poster. So uh, I'll probably post that post picture of that poster at some point. I hanged it on my wall. It's hanging all nice and crooked because I don't know how to hang things. And then uh, and then I bought uh, Chris Kohler's uh, Final Fantasy V book because uh, I want to read it. But we'll see if I actually do it because I'm uh, not much of a reader despite being a writer. I don't know. I read articles and stuff, but reading long form stuff, I don't know. I think I, I think my hope is I'm I'm curious to see how he analyzes Final Fantasy V. I'm hoping that's what this is. I honestly don't even know what this is. Um, I when I flipped through it, he had some very personal stories in there, so I'm hoping that's relatively minimal and more of um and more of like an analysis of Final Fantasy V uh, mechanically. Um, I'm not so interested in like the themes of it. Um, but uh, yeah, I'd be curious to see because that's like the kind of writing I like doing is like more mechanical analysis stuff. And I'm curious to see if Chris does that too. Be curious. Be curious. All right. Well, this episode's uh, going a little longer, so I'll go ahead and wrap it up here. Um, I did buy uh, a camera for streaming, um, but I have no lighting. So I'm still trying to figure out the lighting situation. Um surprisingly difficult to find information about it but i guess i shouldn't be surprised like uh, half the time if you look for information regarding like oh i need help on figuring out this stuff for streaming you get like 30 billion resources and nobody really has any good answers and it's just like i don't fucking know man like i don't know so so i ended up buying a camera that uh i don't think anyone ever recommended but i saw some reviews on it that were pretty good and the one person that did have like a video review on it uh enjoyed it it has like a 720p 60 frames per second it's just like a it's like an alteration of like the, the logitech c920 it's like a c922 or something like that i don't think it's anything like super secret special or anything like that it, it just was like 20 dollars extra and you get the 720 60 mode which i think i'd prefer over the 1080 or or the 30 frames per second um camera for the c920 um 
And just in general, um, I think I'm going to start doing more of a transition to more video content. I, (laughs) in the last two months, I've probably had six or seven people mention wanting me to do more video content. And, you know, that doesn't, that doesn't sound like a lot of people, but, um, you know, I don't have a ton of people following me either. (laughs) So, so, you know, I think it's probably the majority of what current audience I have is more interested in that stuff. And I think a lot of people follow me because of my Aconcagua video and because of my Red the Sky Soldier video. And it's going to be very difficult to find like a middle point between like a Red the Sky Soldier video and Aconcagua video, but it is a lot more work. And that means it's probably going to slow down my output even more, which is unfortunate. Um, you know, I still have some articles I'm still trying to kind of wrap up and push out. Um, but I think, I think that's going to be the focus going forward is trying to get video content done. Um, you'll probably still see more articles than videos, but, um, I probably won't be trying to do like a, a bi-weekly rollout on articles anymore because I'm going to try to invest more time into video. Um, but yeah, uh, in general, I think, um, I think I'm going to try to be smarter with my time um, when I work on things, uh, I, I think I might need to be more focused and, and make more sacrifices. Um, this probably means the end of like Gamefly reviews of just like random games. Um, I think that that's very valuable to me as a person, but when I think about the content I'm creating, I, I don't think anyone really cares about my thoughts on, <laughs> on Hello Neighbor or Red Dead Redemption 2 or whatever that. I think at the end of the day, there's plenty of places to get thoughts on that. And, you know, like, if I have an interesting train of thought and uh, if I do end up playing something like that and have an interesting th- train of thought, I'll definitely chime in in some way. Uh, you know, I, I made a video for Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild, even though I probably didn't need to, um because I had very strong feelings about that game that I think kind of veered off the path of what everyone else was thinking about it. And I think that's valuable. Um, so, you know, I'm not saying I will never talk about big games again, um, but it probably just won't be a focus anymore. Um, so I'll probably cancel my Gamefly subscription yet again. Um, you know, if, if I get back to being able to make an income from writing um or if i see a path that 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 makes sense um we'll get back to it but um but i just don't think a lot of people are looking for me for that um and you know if uh, if i had all the time in the world that would definitely be what i'd want to do but um i think this year in particular like this upcoming year is probably going to be pretty busy in terms of me like you know as I've said many, many a time, pulling my life together, you know, making sure I'm not going to die. <laughs> um, um, and then also just, I think, I think I need to be smarter with where I focus my efforts. Um, but you know, <laughs> I think, I think most people who follow me probably know me well enough to also know that, Hey, I'm a very impulsive person and I'll just randomly play stuff when I feel like it and randomly create content about stuff when I feel like it. So, so yeah, I'm going to try to have an article out by Wednesday. I make no guarantees. I don't really know how close it is to being done. I I feel like it's close, but I, I think I'm probably going to end up, if I wanted to get it done by Wednesday, I'd probably have to rush it because by the time I'm finished editing this podcast and stuff, um, I probably won't get a chance to work on it tonight. So, um, 
So we'll see. We'll see. It's probably not going to hit this week. Um, so yeah, we'll give it a shot. <laughs> well, I'll try my best to make this week, but I'm not going to stress over it as usual. Um, and we're also um, uh, for streams this week uh, or the stream this week. We're doing more Lost Dimension. That game might end a lot sooner than I thought it would. Um, it's uh, we're already like on the third floor out of I think maybe five or six. So we might actually be a lot earlier or a lot further along in that game than I thought. Um, and then I'm going to do uh, Echo Night for the Quick Play stream. So I spent some time looking at that tonight. Um, I'm going to keep trying to do these Quick Play streams <laughs> as long as I can while I keep making sense. But uh, it's actually been pretty tough to do them because uh, I'm not act- actively playing a lot of these games that I'm pulling out now. And I also did not bring a lot of games that I already beaten or like know super well out here to uh vegas with me so i'm kind of kind of running a little short on uh games that i can sit there and just like talk about for 30 minutes without thinking too much about it uh so we'll see how it goes maybe for a while we'll just focus on you know streaming the main game we're streaming for two and a half hours and then uh and then focus on that but uh yeah we'll see we shall see anyways this has been a long episode but thanks for listening um and you know i will i will try my best to uh to uh please you appease you um if you have any comments on like what kind of uh content you want from me if you do want to say like oh no boy i want some articles um you know just go ahead and let me know hit me up on twitter however you want or if you uh, there's a comment section on my website i don't know if anchor fm or or itunes sends me any kind of comments or anything like that i haven't been looking i don't think anyone's commented on these <laughs> um, um but yeah there's there's uh, twitter's probably the easiest way to reach out to me but there's also like uh you can just like i have an email do i have my email address publicly available i don't know email me at o-c-u-l-i-n k-a-y-k-e-i o-c-u-l-i-n k-a-y-k-e-i at gmail.com uh, you can you can email me there too, and hopefully it won't get blocked by spam. Um, but yeah, so so yeah, if you if you have any thoughts, feel free to let me know. Otherwise, um, yeah, just check out onecontrollreport.com. See if there's anything else new on there on that website. There's that uh, Lup Salad article that went up a while ago. But uh, yeah, I'll try to get some stuff up soon. Otherwise, the quick play stream should be coming out on Tuesday for Lup Salad. Of oh, actually, <laughs> I forgot that was last week. So that should be posting on Tuesday. So yeah. Thanks for coming. Thanks for listening. And I hope you guys have a great weekend. Bye.